This is day 27 on our 40-day tour through the Gospel of John. If you love classics, you've come to the right place. John chapter 13 is a classic chapter from a classic book of the Bible, the Gospel of John. Classic literature, classic movies, binge-watching, well-written classic TV series. I love it all. I was an English lit major in college, so I'm a big fan of classics uh, written by Shakespeare, Tolstoy, Jane Austen, uh, Emily Dickinson, Charles Dickens, the list goes on and on. But the Gospel of John stands out uh, because, well, it's the written word of God through the pen of John, but it also tells the greatest story ever. Even atheists and agnostics who review the Gospel of John acknowledge that it's a literary masterpiece, and, and so it is. One of the reasons John is my favorite of the Gospels is because he writes from the advantageous perspective of being the fourth gospel. And so he assumes that his readers have already read Matthew or Mark or Luke or all three. And so here in the upper room during Jesus' Last Supper, for instance, where the other gospels all point out the same details that Jesus took the bread of the Passover meal, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, and so on and so forth. John doesn't feel the need to rehash those details. He assumes we already know that. Instead, he gives us a a new and different perspective from a different seat in the same upper room that allows us to connect some dots and uh, allows us to, to see more colors from different aspects. He zooms out and he zooms in. And so that broadens our understanding of, of this story, the Last Supper, and, and deepens the meaning of it for us. The first few verses of John 13 are a perfect example. In just a few phrases, trust me when I tell you, we could spend hours as your tour guide, I could point out layer after layer of meaning here in just these first few verses. But since it's a short episode on a podcast, I'm just going to highlight a few things. And then I want to invite you just to immerse yourself in it after that. And for as much time as you have, just soak in John chapter 13, because God has something here for you. Let's look at those first few verses, and I'll show you what I mean as an example. Chapter 13 of John's Gospel, verse 1 says, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come. Hit the pause button there already. It's Passover time, and every time Passover is mentioned in John's Gospel, it's a big deal. It's mentioned three times. There are three different years that we're following Jesus here. Passover year one, Jesus is at the temple in Jerusalem. He's challenged by the religious leaders to prove that he's from God. Show us a sign. And he says, fine, tear down this temple and three days later, I'll build it up again. <laughs> John's gospel tells us right then and there, of course, Jesus was speaking about his body, not the building itself, which is a prelude to the, well, to the whole plot of Jesus' life. So the whole point for which he was sent into this world to die as the Passover lamb of God. The next year, the, on this highest holy day in the Jewish tradition, the Passover, we find Jesus in John chapter 6 taking a few loaves of bread and a few fish and feeding thousands. And John makes a point of saying everybody ate and was satisfied, the thousands of them. And there were 12 baskets left over. And then a few verses later in the same chapter, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Passover. It's always a big deal in John's gospel. The third and final time the Passover comes along in John's gospel is right here in John 13. Before the Passover celebration, it's now here. Jesus knew that his hour has, had come. He'd been telling his disciples in the first 12 chapters, my time hasn't come. The hour isn't here yet. Now it's here. This is it. 
And so John's signaling to his reader, pay attention. This is the part you do not want to miss. Next half of the same verse, verse 1 of John 13, John's gospel says, Jesus had loved, loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. Cannot emphasize that word enough. John's gospel can't emphasize that word love enough. Not a, not a love that's up one day and down another, not, not a love that's inconsistent, but the love that comes from a perfect God. Immerse yourself in that love today. Soak in it. Don't let it just be words uh, on, a, on a page that you're reading. Let it be a reality of what God has for you today. God loves you. Jesus loved his disciples, John says. He loved them. And now he loved them to the very end. He finished strong with them. John chapter 3, verse 16, most famous verse in the Bible. What's the motivation for God to send his son into this world? It's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. John chapter 10, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. And then he says, and the shepherd loves his sheep. Love is the thing that overcomes hate. And then in the next verse, it says Judas is here now. We met Judas in John chapter 12, just one chapter before. He gets into an argument with Mary. And now he's here in the upper room at the Last Supper to betray Jesus. Watch this as the rest of this story develops as we move from here to the end of John's gospel. It'll look like Judas and the and, and the uh, authorities, the Roman Empire, Pontius Pilate, the, the guards, the Roman soldiers, that they have the power and that Jesus is beneath them. Look closer and you'll see it's just the opposite, that there isn't a moment along the way when Jesus doesn't have all authority. He is the king of all kings, even when he's on trial, even when he's being nailed to the cross. He's doing it because this is the purpose for which God sent him into the world. His time had come to not just talk about being the Passover lamb, but to live it out. To not just talk about love and how he loved his disciples, but to live it out. To not just win victories over death by being the Passover lamb through his resurrection to everlasting life and victories over hate and sin, the forgiveness of sin through love, which is the only thing powerful enough to conquer hate and, and, and the power of his authority to overcome the evil that sent Judas to betray him. So, wow, did you catch that? In just the first few verses of John 13, the enemies we can't defeat are all there. Death and sin that comes from hate and evil. And they're conquered by the sacrifice of Jesus, the Passover lamb, the love of Jesus to overcome our hate and the world's hate and the sin that it causes, and the authority of Jesus to overcome evil and the darkness of that evil. Uh, that's just the highlights of those first few verses. This is a classic. I mean, an absolute classic. Now watch as John continues the story. And we get this wonderful verse, verse 4, that says, Jesus gets up from the table. Remember, John assumes we already know this is the Last Supper. But here's what the other Gospels don't point out. But John's in the room, and he wants us to see what he saw. So he says, Jesus gets up from the table, takes off his robe, and before the Passover meal, wraps a towel around his waist, pours water into a basin, and now he, the king of all kings, is going to become the servant of his disciples. He's going to take a knee of servanthood before his own students as the master teacher, as the Lord. And then he's going to tell them, follow my example. There's a 
almost humorous dialogue between Jesus and Peter, starting in verse 6. Peter says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus says, you don't understand what I'm doing yet, but someday you will, Peter. Follow Peter. Watch Peter closely over these next few chapters. No, Peter protested. You'll never, ever wash my feet. Peter's feeling some religious pride. He's like, the other 11 disciples may not get this, Jesus, but I do. I'm not worthy to have you kneel down before me and wash my feet. Maybe you're testing us. So I passed the test, right? Jesus says, no, you flunked. Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Peter's that light bulb moment. He gets it. And he says, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Immerse me in the water. Give me a full bath. Dunk my head in the water. It's humorous, but underneath it, the meaning is not to be missed, and it's very serious. Peter, uh, Peter, in order to belong to me, Jesus is saying, in order to belong to my victories over death and hatred and sin and evil, you have to let me cleanse you of your sin. You have to let me wash it away. Yeah, okay, Lord. Wash everything in me then, not just my feet. Jesus goes on to tell his disciples then, follow this example. I'm not just here to tell you to love people. Religious people are good at saying we love. We aren't as good as followers of Jesus sometimes as we should be at living it out. Verse 17 summarizes it perfectly. I tell you this, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Don't just know what happened in the upper room at the Last Supper that Jesus loved his disciples by washing their feet and and their dirty feet from wearing sandals on dirt roads all day long, by taking this this posture of humility and servanthood before his, his, his own subjects, the king of kings bowing down before his kingdom. Well, that's love. And Jesus says, yeah, do that the way I did it. Don't just say it. Do it. Now that you know these things... God will bless you for doing that. We're going to stay here in the upper room and we'll pick it up there tonight. Please like, review, and share on whatever platform you're using that helps us get the word out. And join us for weekend worship. You can go to lutheranchurchofhope.org to find out how. We'll see you there.